0: Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are new, I know we got uh, quite a few new people here today. I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here, and really glad that you are uh, worshiping with us today. Um, if you're online, you're here, really are. We're just glad all of you are here. We're starting a new series today called Known. Excited about that, uh, Mark and I, over the next few weeks, we got to get, get to talk about. And again, just glad all of you are worshiping with us. And if you're new, we'd love to know that you're here. Just you fill out a card. Come out to our connect desk. We'd just love to know that you were here in any way that we can help you. Now, me, this is, you know, a little bit about me. I am, I'm a person, I'm a creature of habit, creature of routine, and I joke a little bit that part of my job is I, I eat out professionally, right? I just, I, I eat a lot of breakfast with people, lunch with people, and so, and being a creature of habit and doing that, I end up going to a lot of the same places, and being someone who goes, a uh, creature of habit, not only do I go to the same places, but when I go there, I always order the exact same thing. Some of you may be like, man, always looking to try something new. I don't get it. You don't get me. It's fine. Don't change me. I won't change you, right? Okay, we'll be fine. Be so anyway, so I like, so I, and so if you go to the same place all the time and order the same thing, what I've noticed is, is that people will, the people that work there will start to remember you. And which is fine it's fine to a point. Let's just say there's, there's, there, there, there's a sweet spot there, right? There's just one place in particular I used to go to a lot several years ago. It doesn't really, it's not really around anymore. I would go there all the time, and then they would see me coming in the parking lot. And they would start filling my drink. They would start making things. And sometimes I would get there. My drink's there. What I order's there. And it's just beep, beep, boop with the credit card, and I'm out of there. And it was per- perfect. I loved that. But then there was a guy that started working there. And turns out he uh, was a retired pastor and found out I was a pastor. And so now we're best friends. And I'm coming there. I'm usually coming to come in there to study at first. And then I usually have a meeting a little bit later. I'm not coming here to make best friends. But anyway, now I've got a best friend. And he, he would just come in. He would just sit down and talk with me for a while. And I'm like... You know, I'm so, and, and I've got this pressure, right, because of my personality and because, you know, I'm a pastor. Like, I can't just be like, dude, get out, right? I can't, you can't be like it. So, as I'm having this conversation, it was awkward. It's making me uncomfortable. thinking, maybe I'm going to have to, maybe I'm going to have to switch it up, I have to go someplace else. And then, this one day in particular, I think Mark was with me during this, this one particular. He starts talking to us and asking us questions about the church. So I got a question for you and your church. What do y'all think about? And he says, blank and blank. And you're gonna be real curious about what he said. But if I told you, just saying it to some of you would be offensive and it would be all that you would remember. It's all you would take away. He's like, I can't believe anybody ever said that. But they did, they said it to me. And I was just like, what on earth? Like, Like, I don't know you that well. But then the kicker for me, and this is when I finally, he sat down with me once. Does your church ever need guest speakers? I'm like, oh, no. Nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Nope, nope, nope. Nope, nope. Well, now I've got this problem again. There's a place I go to lunch all the time with one of my really good friends, and I order the same thing every time. And him, being one of my best friends, he's a little bit like me. He also orders the same thing every time. So we are known there. And I came in there, I swear to you, last week I walk in there and she says, is your other half coming in later? And I'm like, mm, he is not my other half. That's not and so then we just kinda we kinda sat there. He he came in, she said something similar to him. And he sat and I was like, I think we gotta find a new restaurant. I was like, I think I think you're right. Because here's the deal. Like, I want, I want, I, there's a point at which, like, I like that they know me. I like that they go ahead and make the, the sandwich or the drink or whatever, and they know who I am, and it's comfortable, it's helpful to me, but there's a point at which it kind of crosses a line, like, that's just a little too intimate. That's just a little too much knowing. Like, I don't, I'm, now you have put me in a really uncomfortable place. And while, as far as Charlie's restaurant management, I I can get to pick what I want, I think there's also a sense in which we kind of do this in real life. But when we do it in real life with with our friends, it really can kind of become unhealthy for us and can really kind of be a hindrance for us in really our personal, spiritual, emotional health and growth. Of just like, I want, I want people to know me just enough where I'm comfortable, but not so much that it starts to become hard for me in some way, difficult for me, challenging me, kind of exposing me in some way. And so we think we're looking for this sweet spot, but really there's a thing that is just keeping us, holding us back from really being known. This is, you, this is, what, this is the name of the series. Like, I... I I want people to know about me. I want people to know me, but I don't, I don't want to be known. And what we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about is just really what would it really mean to be known and, and why it is absolutely essential for us. By God's design, by, our, by God's design of us, by the way life is, this is what God has called us to If we are going to be who God has called us to be individually, if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, then we're going to have to be a church where we know each other well. We're going to have to be interconnected. And so we'll start this week with a passage in Romans chapter 12. Again, we're going to be doing this for this week and for the next four weeks after that. We're going to be just kind of talking through all all these things to kind of help us get motivated, kind of... To, to participate more in just being connected and fellowship with each other. And today we're in Romans chapter 12, starting verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. That's a really interesting verse to start off with because Paul could use that, Paul's the kind of guy that wrote Romans, you can kind of use that verse as an intro to any number of topics. Essentially what he's saying, hey, let me tell you, you guys don't think more highly of yourselves than you should. It's actually a pretty common theme in the scriptures to to be someone who is humble, to reject arrogance because arrogance leads us down a lot of really bad paths of of greed and indulgence and, and, and hurting other people, you know, kind of kind of using power to oppress and hurt others. I mean, there's lots of different ways that this is brought up cover to cover in the Bible. Hey, you need to guard against arrogance. You need to make sure that you have a proper, true, balanced understanding of who you are. So this ta- this idea, this could intro any number of things, and I find it incredibly compelling that this verse is used to introduce the idea of why it is important for us to be in community, why it is important for us to be known. So don't think more highly of yourself than you should. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So he starts, hey, don't, don't be arrogant. Don't think more highly of yourself than you should. And here's why. Because you are created to be a part of a body. And we are designed to be connected to one another. We are, you are one body with many members and they don't have the same function. In Christ, with one body, each member belongs to all the other ones. You think of yourself, if you think of yourself as independent, you are thinking more highly of yourself than you should. It's like, listen to me. We were designed and created to be dependent on one another, to need one another. And to not think that, is arrogance. And so we'll say it this way. Trying life alone. Trying life alone is arrogance. It's arrogance. That I think that I can live life alone. Paul's saying very clearly, straightforward, that's arrogant. To think that somehow you are the one counterexample to what God has said, which is every person is designed to need one another. To have something that you give to someone else, as someone else has something that they can give to you, that we are all designed to need one another. And for you to say, that may be true of them, and I understand how that might be true of some people, it's not true of me. I don't really need that. It's arrogance, is what Paul says. And, and you hear this, you hear this, you know, I mean, I hear this plenty, you know, talking to people. Wanting them to be a part of church and, and they'll say this, man, you know, you don't have to be a Christian, you don't have to go to church, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I have an answer to this, it's kind of a little back pocket answer that I give. You hear something enough, you hear enough people say it enough times, you kind of get these little kind of you know, natural responses to it. And I'm like, hey, listen, I get it. Theoretically, what you're saying makes sense. That someone with a really good relationship with God, just them and their Bible and their coffee and the grass and the toes and the light and the sun and the trees, and just you out there just doing like, you could have, I I get it, theoretically that should be possible. The problem is, I don't know of any examples of it. I've seen it tried plenty, but I don't know of any examples of it actually working. Something could be theoretically possible, but it's not actually, it's not actually practical. And then, you know, this is kind of my little. And then, if we keep going, and I start getting into full, just kind of Charlie rant mode. I'm like, actually, God disagrees with you because Adam, the very first person that God created, was in perfect relationship with God. Perfect. No sin in the world. This kind of really intimate knowledge of God. Perfect environment. No sin. Great relationship with God. And God looked at him and said, "This is not good. It's not good. It's not good that he is alone." And so for Adam, if it should have worked for anyone, it should have worked for him. But it didn't. And so my encouragement is, you need to be a part of, of, of God's church. You need to come and be a part of these worship services. And to say otherwise is arrogance. And was what you're thinking? bro we're here why are you saying this to us bro we got it we came, we came okay stop yelling at us about something we're actually doing Yell at me at things about I'm not doing right well, I have to say it to you because you're the only ones that are here right can't really say that the people aren't here right but it's not just that because you hear the same thing when we kind of make the pitch as we've made over the years in different ways, different names, different different styles, different things. Like, hey, and you know what? You also need to be a part of a smaller group. You need to have some sort of small group, a small group where people can really know you well, so you can kind of connect, so you can kind of take care of each other, you can challenge each other, in kind of in a smaller group. That we also need. That we need people in our lives that don't just kind of know who we are, but really know us, kind of can hold the rope for us, so right? You know, kind of make sure that I know that people, they've got my back. And the way I describe it very often is, like as a church, there's just too many people. This is one service. You know, we had two services today. So there's another whole group of people. And this is probably, by the end of the day, it's probably only about half the people who are part of the grove are even going to be, end up being here today. And I'll hear about things that some something bad has happened to somebody. But usually, by the time I hear it, and they've kind of kind of started wandering, by the time I hear about it, it's usually pretty pretty bad. We need people in our lives right here. When you start to get a little bit off, say, "Hey man, you don't seem okay. How are you doing?" Like, "No man, I'm fine." And like, "Mm, "Don't lie to me. I can tell you're not doing okay. Tell me the truth. What's going on? I need to know. I want to know." We need people like that in our lives like, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, man. I just come here, I can kind of worship, I kind of hear the word, kind of feel, like this is really all I need. I don't need that. It's the same level of arrogance. You, you, you need people. You, you need them. And this kind of like we kind of got these, got these excuses, right? We've got these excuses that we have and Paul kind of addresses them. And the first one's kind of the we've been talking about. The first excuse is you think, like, I, don't, I don't need this. I, I, don't, I don't need it. This is where the body metaphor just really comes really strong. Where it's like, you know, the, this, this idea, and Paul develops it here. He develops it even more in 1 Corinthians. Like, hey, we've got some people that are noses and ears and toes and knees and eyes. And they all come together to form one body. And it's like, and it's crazy to think that a nose somehow could be like, I am doing great by myself. I don't need anything else. I'm a nose and I can take care of everything. Right, bro. All you can do is smell. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to down down. It smell smells good. Like you need to know. Like you need to know what you're coming up against. And if it smells bad, you probably need to go the other direction. Like I appreciate all you do, brother, nose. But you can't do it by yourself. There's a lot more we got to be doing. Like, like you put a nose by itself in a bad situation, it can't go run away. It needs feet, right? Like that, I'm just stuck with the bad smell. But really, the metaphor is worse than that because a disconnected nose will just it can't do anything. Disconnected from the heart and the brain, from the head, it can't, it can't do anything. It will just decay. So the metaphor is actually an incredibly powerful one. That you, have an, you are an incredible person uniquely designed by God to play an incredible role. But disconnected from the body, you can only do one thing, but really disconnected from the body, you can't even do the one thing. Because without the heart and the brain connected to the head, which Paul says is Jesus. Without our connection to Jesus and without our connection to one another, we can't do it. And I've lived this arrogance. Arrogance is something I've battled for most of my life of just thinking I am smart enough and talented enough and strong enough to to be able to handle it. And I've got, you know, several different Key points in my life where I just kind of keep getting reminded of that in my own life, but the biggest one for me happened right after I got married. I'd graduated from college, twenty two. We graduated. Our parents told us, "Hey, we're going to cut you off financially if you get married uh, before you graduate." So we got we got uh, we graduated Saturday morning, ten a.m. Married Sunday afternoon, four thirty. Everybody's already here, and let's just get this going. We'll we can wait exactly 20, 20, 28 hours-ish. Anyways, so we got married, went on the honeymoon, came back, immediately started raising financial support for a ministry that we were a part of. It wasn't going well. I was getting really discouraged. My wife was getting frustrated with me, rightly so, based on my discouragement and kind of my lack of motivation. So, you know, and, and the first year of marriage for us was really hard. And at the same time, there were some kind of some personal issues that I was going through that were just really destructive. And so I'm failing in my job. I'm failing as a husband. I'm failing in my personal life. And really for the first time in my life, I was like, I don't, I don't have this. And I don't know what to do. There was never, never been problems in my life that I couldn't just, and just, and just make it better. And now here it is. I'm, I've got all of these new roles in my life, and I am failing miserably. And in my brain, I'm doing all the right things. We're going to church, we're serving in the three-year-old class, and we're in this small group. In this small group, this is not the best sales pitch I've ever made for small groups right now. This small group was not good. It was, we did a marriage study, and it was with these older couples than us. It was like, this is going to be really good for us. We need some help. We need some wisdom. And all they did was yell at each other nonstop, passive-aggressive anger. We did not have a great marriage, but I'm telling you, we were the anchor for this thing. And there came this moment about six months in where the leader was like, I'm not even sure I believe in Jesus anymore, but the only reason I keep doing this is because of you guys. We feel obligated to you. I'm like, bro, that is a lot of pressure that I somehow I am keeping you like not only in the group, but like with Jesus and completely. And so at the first opportunity, we, we got into a different group. So now I've been married a year, 23. It's not going any better and I'm struggling. And there was this guy in this group. His name was Stuart. He was maybe, I, I could, he was just a few years older than me. Had a, they had a little baby. We still, we don't be married yet. They probably, you know, maybe five years ahead of us. And I just talked to him one time in a group. Hey, can we have lunch someday? Can we have lunch someday. I just love loved talking. And, and, and when we got together, I wasn't even necessarily really sure I was going to ask him. But basically, what I said is I'm, I'm in desperate need of help. I, I'm, I'm, I'm failing in every conceivable way and, and you seem to just kind of be a little, is there any way you, you can help me? And he, he had a very humble response to that. I mean, kind of, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm just a guy. So, but here's what I'm willing to do. We can have lunch together. Maybe we can just encourage each other and just kind of ask each other some tough questions, to kind of help us kind of get better in some things. And so we had this lunch every week for years. And um, we made this commitment that for the first 10 minutes we could talk about sports. He was an LSU fan. It was the only challenge we ever had. For 10 minutes we could talk about sports and then we had a commitment that after that we were going to talk about things in real life and we did this every week for years. And without being dramatic, I'm telling you, Stuart Norton changed, he saved my life. I don't, I don't know what I was becoming but it was desperate and I needed somebody. Not just I'm coming to church and they know who I am. And not even just, I'm in a small group where we're kind of talking, Getting a, I, I, needed, I needed somebody. I needed somebody to have my back and to be there for me. And it is probably one of the most, without a doubt, one of the top five most important things, life-changing events in my life as far as just helping me become the man that God wanted me to be. And, and in the you know 27 years since then, I've just always been keenly aware of how much I need somebody. And it is arrogant for us to think that somehow that I don't need it. So that's the bad, the first bad excuse. The first bad excuse that we give that Paul addresses here is when we say that I don't need it. The other thing that I think that we say sometimes that that is also challenging is is we say, well, you know, it's, it's not that I don't need it. It's really, honestly, people, they, they don't need me. People don't need me. And so if, 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 they don't, if they don't need me, I mean, I get the body metaphor. I get it. I get it. I understand we're all part of the body. But really, when I think about me, like who am I? I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I'm like the toenail for like your third toe. Like you would notice it on your big toe. Or like, like on your third, who, who would even, like if it fell off, probably would take you a month to figure it out. I was like, oh man, it fell off. Or like, well, here's who I am. Like, I'm like the hair that used to live right here. I'm not saying it wouldn't like be adding value, but like it's gone and it's like, well, I mean, you know, it happens, right? And, and, and we kind of we downplay who we are. And Paul says something very different here. He says, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, each of us. Every One of us here has a role to play. Every one of us has been uniquely gifted by God to be in community and to have a part to play. And you may not believe this. So right now, I'll believe it enough for both of us. If God has brought you here, then I know that we need you. And there is something that God has made in you In the way that He has gifted you, in the way that He has passioned you, that what we are trying to do here as a church, we will be able to do it better than we've ever been able to, by your presence and involvement here. I know that to be true because God has said it is true, and I have seen it too many times. And I used to I give this challenge out to people. I was like, it doesn't matter who you are, what you're about. God has a place for you. And I remember one time this guy, he, 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 he came up to me and I made that challenge, like, I bet you can't do it for me. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, let me tell you the thing that I'm the best at. I'm best at concrete. And what I'm passionate about, also concrete. And I stared at him for a little bit and I was like, well, guess what? The sidewalk outside our offices is broken. And we need you to come fix it with concrete. And all of a sudden his face changed. Are you serious? Like, yeah, I'm serious. He's got this old brunt thing. Everything. And I can just go do that? Yeah. And dude, Monday, this is Sunday, Monday, next day, he is out there with his concrete mixer loving life. And I'm telling you, there's a story like that for you. There's a story in that when when you're gonna find it, the thing that God has called you to do, and I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, I passionately believe this. As someone who has was considered one of the flashier gifts, right? Like, like, like one of the ones that really, like the ones that really matter, right? I got the microphone, right? I got the microphone. They turned the lights and they put them on me, right? Hundred, hundreds of people came here today and listen to him talk. Well, you're kind of a big deal, even if that's true. Even if it's true, even if it's what's most important thing that happens, if we're going to, we're going to. I'll just grant. We'll just, we'll just say, for sake of argument, this is the most important thing that's going to happen at church today. How many dozens of people does it take that aren't me to make this happen? From the people in the tech booth, from the people in the lobby, from the people back in Grove Kids. I mean, can we say it would be a little. It wouldn't be quite as good if the toddlers were here, right? You know and I mean, like, it's like, I mean, there's just like, I mean, the. the it takes so many people. But the truth is, this isn't the only important thing that happens today. Some of them, for some of you, the most important thing that's going to happen to you today happened in the lobby or at the front door or with your kids back here. This is the most important thing. And it takes all of us. And I, we, we need you. We need you to connect into a small group so you can have people like this. And we need your service. We need you to find a place where you can use your gifts because we're missing something. We don't even know what it is, and the only way that you're going to find it is by just kind of just get get going. We'll get you in the toddler room. He's like, what if, what? if it doesn't go well? It's like we'll know, and you'll know, and the toddlers will know, and then we'll find something else. And it was like, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can make coffee. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll get you out if it's not working. Hopefully, before first degree burns kick in, right? We'll just, we'll help. We'll, but you, you're only going to find this by being in motion. Sitting around believing that you don't have a part to play is what we call a self fulfilling prophecy. You think you don't have a role to play, so you don't get a role, and it proves the fact that you don't have a role to play. But step out, just step out, do something. See what God does. See, see, maybe you're going to learn something about yourself you didn't know. And the more you learn about yourself, you'll, you'll, find, you'll find your spot. But you're not going to be able to do it in fear or in doubt. Like, man, like, I, I'm, I'm in the toddler room, and then they say, I can't do that. And you can put me in third grade room, and that's not going to work. I'm going to the front door, and I'll do that. Next thing you know, I'm going to be on closet duty hey, just stay in this closet and make sure the broom doesn't fall. <laughs> brother. it's not true. It's just not true. You have an incredible role to play. And we're going to have to overcome this idea that we think that I don't need people, I do. Or somehow that we don't need you, we do. Because God has designed all of us, each one of us, we have different gifts. But honestly, I think the challenge is, It's not that we really believe that you don't need it. I think anybody who's been through any sort of crisis, if you've been through it alone, you realize now that you need people. And if you went through a crisis and you had people, you know now that you needed people all along. I think we know that. And I think that we all understand that we all have a role to play. We get a little weird sometimes at church, but you know that you are a gifted person. There's some hang-ups or whatever that makes you think that that giftedness doesn't really translate here. Okay, we need to overcome that. But we all understand. Here's what I think the real fear is. The The real excuse that I think that we have is that we're just scared. We're just scared. I'm scared of what's gonna happen if somebody really knows who I am. That... If they really knew who I was, like, like I, I see the thing you belong on the outside and so I get nervous, I come in and then people are nice to me. They don't seem to be real judgmental. They seem to be a little more laid back. It seems to be cool. And I like that. But then we have this fear that if, that if I went the next step and you really knew who I was, then you would reject me. So we kind of try to stay in this safe zone where I'm known a little bit, but not too much. Restaurant Charlie. Right? This 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 safer spot here. And I I struggle with this. I even have a little, little joke, a little bit that I'll do about it. Because even right now, like I bring up Restaurant Charlie again. And some of you are thinking, I really want to know what that pastor said. I really want to know, like, what did he say? What does your church think about blank and the blank? Like, what did he say? The one, you want to know that. Two, you want to know what I said to him. And three, you want to know what I wanted to say to him but didn't right these are the things you want to know if you know this is what you want to know right and so then people say this to me Charlie. man sometimes you kind of you kind of dance around things you kind of take kind of a whoo, elusive kind of neutral like i want to know what you really think i have this little joke that i say back oh man people think they want to know what i really think they just they just want a slightly less filtered version no one really wants to know what i really think ha 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 ha, ha. right and i say it in a way that sounds funny but really what I'm saying is the same thing I'm saying that you're saying. If you really knew me, you would reject me. So it's better for me to kind of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna soften the rougher edges of who I am so I'll be a more acceptable version to you. And some of us do that. Some of us kind of toughen up the rougher exteriors of who we are and we come across a little more bull in the china shop-ish And we have another self-fulfilling prophecy. I kind of come at you with all these rough edges and then you're like, and then the other person's like, whoa. And you're like, see, people are rejecting me. And we have all of these different defense mechanisms to try to keep people in the safe little donut. Not too close where you can really get to know me, but not too far away where I feel alone. And we're scared We're scared of this idea of allowing somebody to truly know me. But what God has said cover to cover through his scripture, is that those of us who are trying to do this life alone, we're going to fail. It's arrogance and it's outside of design. The designer of the universe has said, it is essential for you to be connected well with one another. And whatever challenges we face, whatever it is we're trying to do, whatever God's trying to do in your life and all the really awesome things that God is trying to do in our church. And if you were here for the last three weeks, we kind of talked about that. If not, I encourage you to go back, listen to that. Talk about the cool things that God is going to do and is doing and will continue to do in our church. If we're gonna do that, it's gonna have to be together, one another. And I invite you Today, and as we kind of take this journey over these next few weeks through this series, I invite you to take the risk with me. To take take a step outside of our comfort zone to be truly known. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this awesome group of people. And God, really just how accepting they are how loving they are. But God, we all come with different fears about whatever that next step of being known is. Small groups, serving, having these one to two friends that I just know absolutely have my back. Whatever it is, whatever these fears are, these anxieties that we have that keep us on the fringe that make us feel like we've got to keep one another at a safe distance. God, I pray that you would overcome that. And that, God, that we would no longer be concerned about what is safe. But, God, what is best, what is needed. And, God, what we need is to know and be known. And so, God, I pray that we would all take a step this week to get more connected to one another so that together we can bring the hope of the gospel of your son Jesus Christ to a world that is desperate for it. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.